The facts are irrefutable. Americans are overweight. What's the reason? InfoTrack's Taryn McCall has an interesting twist on the story. Taryn? Thanks, Chris. It's the economy stupid isn't just a political slogan. It's the cause of America's obesity epidemic in the eyes of one expert. Dr. Eric Finkelstein is a health economist at RTI International in North Carolina and co-author of The Fattening of America, How the Economy Makes Us Fat, If It Matters, and What to Do About It. That's a pretty provocative title. What's the basis of your theory? Well, there's a couple of things going on, but essentially what we're arguing in the book is that the economy, not by accident, has given us really inexpensive food, lots of new technologies, medical technologies that can keep us going no matter what ails us. And so many people are just saying, you know what, it's just not worth the effort to be thin. Explain how the technology has led to the obesity epidemic. Well, certainly there's been a host of new technologies that have allowed us to get really inexpensive food to market and that, by the way, tastes really good. I mean, you can think about the microwave oven, you can think about high fructose corn syrup, which actually was invented in the 70s. In the economy, you can think about all these labor-saving devices that make us more productive. And in fact, there are a host of new medical technologies, drugs and procedures that allow us to live longer, healthier lives, even with some excess weight. But the truth is, it's people like you and I who are demanding these types of products and services, and the market is responding. And in fact, because they're so good at responding to our demands, they've allowed us to have access to all these obesity-promoting goods and services. But even in an economic slump, we still see a rise in obesity because I would imagine as the value of the dollar falls, healthy, fresh foods become comparatively more expensive and out of reach. On the grand scheme, we do certainly have the largest economy in the world, and so that's provided us with more labor-saving devices and cheap food than other countries. And you're right, in an economic downturn, we may look to those more than ever in efforts to save money. But I guess on the flip side, one might ask the question, are we better or worse off having that as an option? And you say it might not matter. Well, again, when I say it might not matter, there's a really interesting study funded by CDC that shows that today's obese population on many levels has better CHD risk profiles than normal weight individuals did 30 years ago. In fact, if you look at cholesterol values and blood pressure values, they're lower today. The point is, well, we are just much better at controlling the diseases that obesity promotes. Life expectancy, for example, for those who are overweight or moderately obese is really very close, if not the same, as life expectancy for normal weight adults. And again, just an example, last year there were one and a half million procedures to open up clogged arteries. We have all this technology, and so it's certainly possible that some individuals are saying, you know, diet and exercise are very difficult for me. I'd rather just take a pill or get a procedure. How do you feel about the private sector incentivizing their employees to get healthy? Well, you know, the truth is there's no such thing as a free lunch. That's a classic economic statement. But if you want to get people to be thinner, for example, we published a study that shows you could pay individuals about seven bucks a pound and some would lose weight. Now, anything that the private sector does, if it works, is going to benefit some individuals and the firm, but others are going to be adversely affected. And so my feeling is you have to weigh the costs and benefits of the intervention, however it's implemented, versus the status quo. But given that the status quo is increasingly costly and also certainly has adverse health effects on the public, my feeling is some of these strategies, even though some will be potentially hurt, are better than doing nothing. On an individual level, it would seem between the higher calorie foods we're bombarded with and the lack of opportunity, desire, or time to burn those calories off, the reasonable thing to do is just to be more mindful about what we're putting into our bodies. 
reasonable people may just decide not to do that, and that may be okay. And in the book, I talk a lot about my Uncle Al, who is a rich, successful, and smart attorney, and not by accident. The reason he's so successful is because whereas folks like my dad were out dieting and exercising, he was wanting and dining clients and spending lots of hours in the law firm. And so for him, it's at least certainly possible to consider that he made a conscious choice to focus more on becoming you know, a rich, successful attorney than dieting and exercising. And so it's not clear to me that that's a bad choice for him. We're talking with Dr. Eric Finkelstein, author of The Fattening of America, How the Economy Makes Us Fat, If It Matters, and What to Do About It. Dr. Finkelstein, where can people get information online? A blog that we have set up or a website called fatteningofamerica.com. And in fact, I try to blog on popular topics once a week or so to make sure that our readers are informed about the latest obesity research and what an economist's take on it is. Thanks so much for being with us today on InfoTrack. Thanks for having me. And for InfoTrack, I'm Taryn McCall. That'll do it for this edition of InfoTrack. To learn more about this or previous InfoTrack shows and guests, visit us online at talkzone.com. InfoTrack is produced by Syndication Networks Corporation. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for another edition of InfoTrack.